0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to late lunch this Monday afternoon. Hope you had a lovely week and great to have you with us again on the show. Loads of talk today and right through the week. God, it's all happening. Listening to the news and sport there just before we came on. Brendan Rogers back at Celtic I wonder how Celtic fans feel about that I think it's great he was wonderful the first time he was there he'll do a a, a great job picking up from Ange Postacoglu as well as that that O'Neill man at Bournemouth has been sacked there I thought he did a great job at Bournemouth to be honest with you and kept them up but there you go that's football for you you never know from day to day what lies ahead if you want to get in touch with us on the show 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us as usual and I have a man with me now I know who loves his sport especially Sligo rovers but when i tell you he was northwest correspondent on rt he was in europe for us northern ireland became his forte and he retired in recent times i'm delighted to say hello to tommy gorman hi tommy
2: Carl, that's so much. How
1: are you doing, Jerry? Nice to talk to you. Ah, nice to talk to you, too. Um, and, uh, listen, it's great to have you with us. And I want to tell listeners, you're coming to Kells for the Hinterland Festival this coming weekend, and we'll tell them more about that in a moment. Anyway, we miss you terribly on our television screens. What are you up to?
2: Oh, lots. Uh, absolutely lots. Uh, I spent... Uh, After I left RTE in uh, April uh, uh, 2021, two years ago, uh, I spent 12 months writing a book uh, because it acted as a bridge, really. Um, And it got me back to the written word, something that I I loved years beforehand as a reporter. Uh, And I've spent a good while promoting that. I also write on a, a regular basis, almost weekly indeed. I write long reads for
3: uh, an online
2: publication called The Currency and that's very satisfying because I can write about British politics, British Irish politics, Northern Ireland politics, I can write about sport uh, and I can write about any subject that comes to mind. Uh, These days I'm putting together a piece about a hospital infrastructure uh, in the west of Ireland and the border counties, uh, Loud included, and I find that kind of work very stimulating I'm also involved with a a patient's organisation. I have a a form of cancer. Uh, I had a very fulfilling night in County Loud recently when we had a a concert in RD uh, organised by one of our citizens in that area whose mum has got a condition. And um, involved with Sligo Rovers in a big way. Uh, We have a development plan there. And I'm doing lots of bits and pieces. Uh, so it's nice and busy uh, and I feel very much involved. And of course, I'm watching uh, the development of politics, how Brexit is panning out uh, and I'm attempting to stay fit and stay alive, Jerry.
1: <laughs> but tell me, how did you ever find time to walk? <laughs> uh, well, work? Well, work never felt like work because
2: yeah. you know yourself what journalism is like. Yes. And when you're dealing with people, it's uh, it's such a pleasure. Like... I loved every single day of of my working life, um, and I think I was that's the trick of life, really. If you can find something that you enjoy, well, then the time passes quickly, and you don't feel frustrated. You might feel tired at times, but uh, in my own case, I, I lived a dream working in RTE. Uh, have nothing but fondness for my old uh, place of employment, uh, and that will never change.
1: Oh, we miss you. I can't believe it's two years since you've gone, but there you are, Tempest Fugit, uh, as the saying says. God, you have so much going on. May I say to you, I loved your uh, your book, Never Better, My Life in Our Times. It's really fantastic, and it covered a number of the... Um, the issues and, and the work you're doing at the moment that, that you've mentioned there. But just for a moment, on the political side of things, right, and you saw a momentous change in Northern Ireland, and we've had how many generations now, thank God, have lived in relative peace. Yet, Tommy, yet the institutions remain collapsed, and the, what we would say, the newer generations, along with the older generations, are stuck in their moment now too. Will, will it ever get up and going again?
2: Oh, I think it will. I think it's inevitable that it will. I think it's only a matter of time. Um, I'd have a lot of friends in unionism. I'd have a a lot of respect for their uh, tradition. Um, And
3: like a lot of
2: people, uh, I was very frustrated uh, by Brexit because I felt uh, it did threatened to damage uh, a very complex and a very fragile peace structure Uh, that we had achieved through the Good Friday Agreement. I don't think the British took proper account of the European dimension that was in the Good Friday Agreement. And for a long time, Jerry, I agonised about what Brexit was going to do to British-Irish and North-South relations. But in the last while, uh, I can see a clearing. Mm. Uh, I can see a pathway. Uh, And if anything, I think Brexit could end up accelerating progress on the island of Ireland. And I'll explain why in in what I hope are simple and accessible terms. I think with Britain gone from the European Union, we no longer have, this is Ireland, no longer has competition for US foreign direct investment. It can't go to, to Britain because... Uh, Britain doesn't have access to European markets anymore. So that space has opened up for Ireland and the economy should be able to kick on, especially with our corporation tax arrangements. And then secondly, and this is the second magic part of it, because of the Windsor Framework Agreement that Rishi Sunak was forced into making in some respects, Northern Ireland now has its own chance to develop its own economy, Uh, And by that kind of development, I mean, for a long time, one of the weaknesses in Northern Ireland was it was so depending on jobs in the public service. It didn't have a great private sector economy. Mm. But now with this access to the best of both worlds, British markets, uh, UK markets and EU markets, Northern Ireland has a real chance. Uh, And I can see the way things are shaping up. I can see... Unionists, uh, the DUP in particular, back in government instalment uh, this autumn. Um, and I can see Northern Ireland's economy picking up. I can see private sector investment coming to Northern Ireland through Joe Kennedy. There's a good workforce there, good work ethic. Property is cheaper. Uh, and like when I hear of this new arrangement they have, in relation to red zones and green zones for goods coming from uh, Britain into Northern Ireland. I don't think there'll be too much declared in the old red zone. I think there'll be an awful lot of stuff going through the green zone. Uh, And I'd say you could see a fair bit of uh, cross-border traffic. I'd say you could see people from the south continuing to go up to Northern Ireland to buy in the shops and the different outlets where those goods wants to start coming in. I can see economic prosperity coming north as well as south and that brings me back to the thing John Hume said all those years ago you can't eat a flag Uh, and I think if you have more employment, if you have a thriving economy north and south I think things will settle down uh, and I'm extremely optimistic about Northern Ireland.
1: God, it's it's great to hear that, Tommy. It really is. uh, You know, to hear it from you who's been at the heart of it so long, please, God, all you say there will happen over the coming uh, weeks and months. I want to come back to something else. You started as a local reporter in the Western Journal in Sligo um, and newspapers, local newspapers, national newspapers, you know the story there very well. Where is it? Where does it go? What's happening? It doesn't look too good, you know, and the pivotal part, as you know, regional newspapers have played in life in Ireland for time immemorial. Tommy, what's your take on what happens?
2: Well, I think the interest in the local isn't going to change. Like, you get more satisfaction or certainly as much satisfaction from following Drogheda as I get from following Slag Rovers mm. as I would say compared to following Spurs or Celtic Yes In the same way you get the same kind of satisfaction from seeing what's happening with the new stadium in, in Uh you get great satisfaction from going along to local shows in the Lady Theatre or going to a pub in dock and hearing traditional music there so the local continues to be hugely important like the local is the building block of society. And you're right that it has changed for newspapers and newspapers have had to adapt. But I think in some... Re- they have competition now. They haven't been replaced, but they have huge competition from the likes of yourselves. Like, people switch on uh, OSAVM in Sligo to hear the deaths in the morning and to hear the local news. Uh, and switch on local radio at the weekend... Uh, to follow a sport because that's where they get it. And like there are as many people listening to the network of local radios as there are listening to uh, RTÉ or News Talk. So the significance of the local has not been lost at all. Like the local school, the local church, uh, the local court of canter, all those building blocks are still there. Uh, it's just for newspapers... It has changed. And I suppose you see the way that newspapers now, it's not a weekly thing anymore. Like the website is very, very important for the local newspapers. And, and some of them, the best of them, have actually moved with those times and have seen the way the technology is changing uh, and they're making a living. But there's a whole new economy that has been created uh, through local radio. Uh, And in some cases through local television or local streaming or local podcasts. But the one thing that will never change in Ireland is our interest in people. And I think it's because of the size of the country. If you look at, say, the way the Irish... I saw this all through my working career. I was in the States there in, in April. I was in London last week. And the way the Irish can network, the way they can find place, the way they look after each other, the way they make contacts... I think so much of that comes from the society we have. Like within half an hour of me talking to you, I would, within 10 minutes of me talking to you, I'd find somebody, some friend we have in common. That's the essential part of Ireland. Mm. And that's not going to change. That interest in the local and that sense of community.
1: That's good to hear and uh, I endorse all you say there. Let's talk sport for a moment. Of course, you're Sligo Rovers and you're involved in there. I've, uh, I'm a huge follower of Drogheda United, and we're hoping at this end of things that soon uh, Drogheda will be able to announce a, a significant move as well for them and Sligo have their plans and there was a big article, I'm sure you saw it last week or maybe it was even the weekend I was reading it about uh, the League of Ireland here and the clubs in the West, especially Sligo, Galway mentioned, but the rest of them as well. Are you hopeful on that front too? Because poor facilities and badly run clubs have dogged the league for years.
2: Well, I'll tell you what's puzzling me about the League of Ireland. And uh, I was at the Rovers match in Drogheda uh, uh, earlier this year. And like going down the years, I've I've had great friends in Drogheda. uh, Frank Handlin, Lord Reston, uh, Paul Lennon, you know, really good pals. Uh, and rather on the up and up, uh, they're a very competitive team, run on a tight budget. I think one of your advantages is you're on the East Coast mm. uh, and you have access to a very good pool of players, not just, say, from the County Loud area, but from Dublin as well. Um, with us in Sligo, it's different. Um, we don't have the same level of population uh, we're a distance from, say, the pale and from the hub, where you have that pool of players. So our costs increase. But what has fascinated me about the League of Ireland this year is that because you can see the matches uh, on the uh, Watch NOI
1: yes.
3: um,
2: service, and even if you can't, you're not watching the matches live, you can see the highlights you know, within two or three hours afterwards. And I think those television pictures are adding to the interest. I, I wondered at times would they actually take from it would attendances fall? But I think the accessibility of the images, uh, the fact that you can actually see the goals that were scored, and you see that the goals that are you know being recorded at, at League of Ireland games are every bit as good as you'll see in the Premiership at times. Mm. Um, and I think that has added... Um, New energy to the League of Ireland this year, also think it 's better run. Uh, I think the new chief executive uh, in the FAI is a breath of fresh air. Um, I think the uh, the chair, Roy Barrett was very, very good in that function. Uh, one thing i I slightly worry about is um, that uh, FAI plan it seemed to me to be almost dividing up the cake into say. The regional empires or the local empires, rather than say the League of Ireland clubs. Um, I think for me, the League of you know the, the uh, Premier Division and the First Division. I think they are the ambassadors and the standard bearers of the League of Ireland brand, um, and it's tight uh, making ends meet, but I think it's a better league this year. I think summer soccer is working, uh, and I think it's very exciting. I think flag rovers have drawn Draha in the cup away yes uh, that would be a very tough match uh, because you know I've, I've seen Draha play two or three times this year and they're in fine um, and I can see that um, there's going to be quite a struggle uh, to stay afloat and not to, to, to avoid relegation I think it's going to be very tight it's interesting for me too that um Uh, The way the League of Ireland is in recent times, all the clubs based in Dublin. You've got the two ones in Loud, And then this year in the regions, we've got Cork. Uh, We've got ourselves in Sligo. And the other club then is over the border in Derry. So you'd like to see places like Galway Mm. and Limerick uh, and Waterford. You'd like to see more of a regional spread. I think it's a bit of an imbalance when you've got UCD... Uh, and Pats and Bowes and Shamrock Rovers and Shells. Mm. You've got five Dublin clubs in what's a 10-league league of Ireland.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, half of, of the whole thing, but perhaps that's a look at for another day. There's always been debate, should it be a 12-team division, a 16-team Premier, but we leave that uh, for, for down the road. Um You're coming to Kells and I just want to mention this again now because the Hinterland Festival is on the 22nd to the 25th of June and Tommy is there this coming Saturday, the 25th at 5 o'clock in Kells Theatre. And I take it we've scratched the surface here today. You're going to get into more depth in what we've been talking about and more besides. You're looking forward to it.
2: Well, I was amazed when I had a look at at the, the programme, the extent of the programme that they have in Kells. I think it's a huge tribute to them. The range of authors they have there, I feel very privileged uh, to be among them. Uh, In my own case, uh, I'm going to be interviewed uh, at the festival by Adrian O'Neill. And he's a former uh, Irish ambassador uh, who was based in London in his last posting. Uh, and I came across him for several years. He was Secretary-General to President McAleese in, at the time of, say, the Queen's visit. He was a very significant figure. But he was still in charge of, say, the Anglo-Irish Division for several years. So he would have soldiered in those same Northern Ireland fields where I was working. Um, and I've known him. So I'd be, it'll be an interesting uh, I suppose a bit of chemistry uh, to have roles reversed, yes, uh, and to have Adrian throwing the questions at me because <laughs> um, I don't know what he'll ask, um, uh, and that's part of the magic of an interview. You don't know what's coming next. But um, it, should be, it should be fun, and I hope that anyone who goes there will enjoy it, and I'm certainly looking forward to it.
1: Oh, and we're looking forward to you uh, coming to Kells uh, this coming Saturday, five o'clock in the Kells Theatre. Tommy, I wish you well with all you do. Uh, you're one of our national treasures, and I say again, I can't believe it's two years uh, since you're gone from the TV screens, but by God, are you up to a lot behind the scenes. Thank you very much for joining me today, and I wish you all the best uh, for the year ahead.
2: Lovely talking to you, and thanks for all the work you do yourself. Uh, the local is everything.
1: Thank you, Tommy. Take care of yourself. That Tommy Gorman, there, former RT reporter, coming to the hinterland festival in Kells. I have tickets to give away to Tommy on uh, Saturday if you'd like to go along now look at you must be able to go to Kells it's 5 o'clock in Kells this coming Saturday at the Kells Theatre I have a pair of tickets to give to one of you that's going to be a most interesting session I promise you with uh, Tommy Gorman here's the question today to win the tickets From which Irish county does Tommy Gorman hail? We must have mentioned it four or five times in the course of the interview. Where is Tommy Gorman from? The county, please. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. And I'd be delighted to give someone out there uh, the chance to go to that event at the hinterland festival it's on from thursday to sunday uh, you can check out the lineup on hinterland.ie and as tommy says it's unbelievable the people and the authors that are coming to kells next weekend hinterland.ie or if you're in the kells area drop into the book market in kells they have all the information on the festival wonderful festival we are blessed to have it The script and Hall of Fame on your late lunch this Monday afternoon, Louise. Will I read a little story to you? I got a a letter. I got a letter in the post today. I love letters. You know me. Mm. Letters, cards, anything like that. I absolutely love them. Let me read this this uh, this one to you. Afternoon, Jerry. Just want to tell you this good news story which happened to me on Thursday last. I parked my car in Stockwell Street, Drogheda. My parking ticket was valid until 11.41am and I arrived back at the car at 11.45. That's four minutes, Louise, Mm -hmm. after the ticket went out of time. I took down my ticket from the dashboard and then noticed another ticket valid until 12.36. Right. And a note on the windscreen, the note read, Today's your lucky day. You are going to be clamped. Just put this ticket on your car. Happy Thursday, Colette and Debbie from YGH.
4: Oh, that's fab. I can't believe after four minutes they were go- well,
1: she was going to be clamped. She goes on to say here, and it's Anne from Slane. Anne goes on to say, um, I thought, Jerry, you had ten minutes, Grace, uh, before being clamped. I thought but thought that's only decent, Yes, it? this wouldn't have been the case last Thursday. I found out Colette and Debbie work in the hairdresser's salon in Dominic Street called TGH. I just want to thank them again and mention the hair salon if you would do that on your show, please. Mm -hmm. Anne from Slane. PS, um, love the show, and I was delighted to draw his win last Friday. I was talking about that last week on the show when they beat Pats last minute. Anyway, isn't that a good news story? Yeah, I love to hearing this. Well stories. done. Well done, Anne. Thanks to for,
4: the girls who copped. Like, yeah,
1: Colette and Debbie. From TGH, well done to you too as well that you did that and, and copped it as well. And it was your lucky day. We love to hear little stories like mm-hmm. that. We really do. And thanks for taking the time to actually write into me and send it on to me. Really do appreciate it. Always, oh, I'm devastated today. I'm totally devastated. Do you know why? Why? No more chalk ices.
4: Oh, yeah, the chalk ices. It's is the gone. end it's of very the round. sad. Oh, there's actually a petition. Is now, there? Yeah, but do you think they'll change their mind?
1: Like, ah, no. Do you think what? HB is it HB? HB produced the uh, the chalk ice. Yes. There's others produce them since
4: 1960? Different-
1: well, well, I love a chalk ice. Do you?
4: I haven't had a chalk ice in years. Oh. I would. I have to say, if I'm going for an ice cream, I'd probably prefer a Magnum.
1: See, that's where it's, it's probably moved on where it's to. moved and
4: on the thicker chocolate. Yeah. And the, yeah,
1: and I'd say in our but house, but I wouldn't like
4: to see it go either.
1: Well, in our house, the magnums are the are the favoured ones as mm. well with everybody. But I'm an old traditionalist. I buy me six pack of chalk ices,
4: knowing that nobody else would eat them. You see, nobody else. <laughs> there's method here, Magnum.
1: Oh, I'm, I, but I'll tell you, I'm sure there's a big chalk ice fan club out there, or maybe there's not. Do you love your chalk ice? Anyone with me out there? Let's keep the chalk ice. We want to keep the chalk ice. Are you with me or against me? Let me know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I'd love to hear from you. I was disappointed to hear the news, to be honest with you. But there you go. Things come and go. I wonder
4: what they're going to replace it with.
1: Don't know. No, it's gone to the ma- It's the magnum. You're right. The various shades of the magnum. Probably is that- is the They're bringing back the feast for the summer. A HB oh, feast? Oh, I never
4: liked the feast. I blo- used to
1: love the mint choc. Was a dark chocolate? I should chocolate. bring back that. What's the feast?
4: The feast is the kind of has a solid block of chocolate in the middle of it. Hate it. Yeah, I didn't like it either. You
1: can shove your feast where the <laughs> sun don't shine, HB. Leave the choc ice alone. Leave back the, the mint choc. choc ice alone. You can bring back the mint choc if you want. Yeah, they were lovely. We want our choc ice. We want them left alone. Somebody else. Come on, step into the breach and rub well, their noses You probably can in it.
4: get other um, I was brands. saying that.
1: I probably can. But I love the HB eyes. Love a brunch too. Do you like oh, a brunch? Oh, I love brunches. Oh, listen. Love a brunch. I'm not
4: getting rid of that, is it?
1: No. Oh, if there is. There'll be pickets. Or lo- there'll be or riots. loop the loops <laughs> loop the loop I had one last night. Did you? I had a loop the loop last night. I love them. Some little
4: boy. We had a little boy over playing with as uh, play date yesterday. And he said "There's diff- there's a new twister, I think.
1: It's gorgeous.
4: It, is it nice? Is it sour or something?
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. What color is it? I had to. It, it's a different. It's not. You know the vibrant color of the twister. It's a it, duller color. Yeah, lemon colour. And lime, isn't it? Uh, Ava, I had to buy a box for Ava Saturday. Oh right. I bought a box them for Ava. She loves them that much. They're oh. they're absolutely a massive big hit. Those new twisters, they are indeed. What color are they? we look at them on the break I'll okay. show them to you in a pic. they're a duller colour than the twister that we know of you know what I mean it's real vibrant green and that, that twister the demise of the chalk ice before the break Paddy's been on to say I absolutely love the brunch Jerry I hope they never do away with it Eamon Flaming Eamon hello Eamon good to hear from you again a magnum Jerry is the wealthy person's ice cream the chalk ice is for us Joe Soaps. Well, I'm happy to call myself a Joe Soap. I have to say, Amen. You're right, Suzanne. Please leave the chalk ice alone. I absolutely love it. Oh, I can see a revolution starting over the chalk ice. There's another one. Keep the chalk ice. Keep the chalk ice. Keep the chalk ice. Says <laughs> somebody else there, Jerry. Patricia in Blanche's tent says, "Oh my God, no, Jerry! They're not doing away with the chalk ice, are they?" Where will this all end? I absolutely love the Jockeyes. And Sean says, um, Unilever are the people who own the HP brand and they took it over back when and they make the calls. They do indeed. Let me tell you this, folks, and it's something I've noticed as well, or maybe you have in your home or been out and about. With the recent hot spell of weather, Yes, you will see some more flies around the house and things like that. But I have to say, when I think back years, there's not the amount of flying insects there was at one stage in this country. And this is borne out uh, by the fact that uh, it's, insect population in Ireland is in huge decline but it's not just in Ireland it's across Europe and across the world it was estimated back in 2019 big piece of research that 2 in 5 insect species worldwide are declining and in Europe uh, around uh, 80% have disappeared, triggering a collapse. Well, we're going to talk about it for the next while with a man that knows all about this. I'm delighted to welcome to the show environmental journalist and commentator, John Gibbons. Hi, John. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you very much for joining me. Now, this was prompted. We were reading a recent article you did uh, on the journal and you were talking about a journey you made from the west of Ireland east. Just take it up from there. Tell listeners uh, what brought this home to you, the decline.
0: Sure, Gerry. I guess I'm <clears throat> I'm old enough to, to remember, uh, you know, what, what it was like to drive on a summer's evening, a beautiful summer's evening. And, and this happened again much more recently, where I was driving up actually from uh, Kilkenny uh, in the direction of uh, Dublin, where I live. Right. And um, so it would have been a mixture, Gerry, of, of uh, rural roads and then onto the motorway, onto the M9 and up to Dublin. And uh, I got out of the car when I got home and just, just one of those things kind of clicked in my mind. And, <laughs> and I suppose sometimes it's the things that aren't there that 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 can be hard to notice and i just had a look at the windscreen and i think i might have seen one one bug splat on the on the front of the car which is just incredible and this is the type of summer's evening which uh, many of your listeners will remember where i guess you just uh, back maybe 30 years ago and i would certainly remember back uh, driving within that time frame and You'd arrive at your destination anywhere in Ireland, by the way. Uh, motorways, uh, side roads, you name it. Uh, you drive for an hour, an hour and a half, and your car would be covered in insect mm. uh, splash. Not only with that, but the likelihood is along the way you'd actually be using your windscreen wipers and your 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 what do you call it? The the fluid in your, yes. in your windscreen to actually scrape the stuff off. Yes, and of course. And if you remember, actually cleaning your lights in the front of your car, <laughs> where you could scrape all the debris off your yep. your number plate and your lights. So basically, very simply, what's happened in the meanwhile is a uh, vast amount, vast quantities, trillions of uh, our insect uh, friends have disappeared. And a lot of this, Jerry, has happened probably in the last three to four decades for a variety of reasons. And the problem here is, uh, the best way I can describe it, if you like, is that I suppose the insect kingdom, these are the the, the little creatures, basically, that run the world. That's how one one, uh, author wrote about them. The insect kingdom, if you like, underpins life on Earth. Mm. There is no animal kingdom, there's no mammals without the insect kingdom that underpins them. There is no, for example, 80% of our crops are pollinated by insects. So, take away insects and basically, uh, you know... We're, we're, we're in a very bad place indeed. Uh, like, for example, if insects were to disappear, amphibians and all birds would be gone within probably a couple of years after them. So as you can see, this is really the glue, if you like, that holds the, the natural systems in place. And what we know for certain is that these insect collapses are happening on a local, regional, national and global level. The same reports, we're getting the same reports in uh, I've read read them from South America, from Germany, from Australia, here in Europe, uh, here in Ireland. The same reports, the same studies. Now, I would say that insects, of course, are much more difficult to study than uh, mammals because they're elusive, they're small, they're very mobile. So they are difficult to study, but, but we do have huge amounts of data on their movements and so on. And all the trends very simply, are in the direction of sharp, sharp decline. And it's probably important to say that insects, the insect kingdom, if I can call it that, has been in existence for about 400 million years. Now, that is longer, um, so the insects ruled the world here on Earth before the arrival of the dinosaurs. After the dinosaurs were wiped out, the insect kingdom survived, persisted, and thrived. So this is a very ancient kingdom, and remember, humans in, in even in the most ancient form, we're only about two hundred thousand years old. So we're we're really the new kid on the block. The insect kingdom has been running the show here on Earth, as I say, for four hundred million years, which is over a thousand times longer than the span of all humans in existence. And if you take modern humans, which is really in ten thousand years, you could make that maybe another multiple of that again. Mm-hmm. So so essentially we, the new kids on the block, are undermining the insect, well, we're undermining many, <laughs> the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, but we're particularly undermining the insect kingdom. But because most people are kind of unaware of insects, other than anecdotally, mm. this has gotten remarkably little coverage. That's yes. what really gets me as a journalist, that, you know, you hear about the panda, you hear about the, the polar mm. bear, and so you should, by the way. Yeah. But we hear very little about these these creatures. And you know, to put it in, in context, how, how plentiful they, they should be and are, they reckon that if you were to put all the insects of the world onto a cosmic weighing scale, they would outweigh all of the humans by about 17 folds. They run every system on Earth.
1: So, and, yeah, it's sorry, catastrophic. Ahead. This is catastrophic for all life on Earth and human life too. This is the message we want to get across today. But here, here's the thing that I want to get to now, the nub of this humankind is responsible for this, there's no doubt. And and more, n- not our, our ancient relatives, but, you know, the modern era I'm talking about, and, and the yeah. science, and the way we've advanced more, say, in the last 50 years than we did for the previous thousands of years as humans. It's down to us. So, what are we doing to cause this? Is there one reason or is it a combination?
0: It's really, a, it's a, a combination of a multiple of factors. Let me run through them. First of all, uh, humans have changed the surface of the earth by reshaping landscapes. I mean, the lands- Ireland is, for example, a classic case of there's almost no, none of the original Ireland is left. Less than 1% of our land is what's called uh, intact. In other words, that would look anything like that land looked 10,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago. We have a tiny little bit of ancient uh, native forest. And but, so essentially 99% of the land area in, on our little island, has been reshaped for human uses, right? Whether it's for farming mm. or whether it's for industry or whether it's for agriculture or whether it's for forestry. We have reshaped the landscape. Now, in reshaping the landscape, obviously we were trying to make that landscape more productive for us, which is totally understandable. The problem is we were wiping out uh, habitats that, that insects and of course other animals have, have depended on for thousands or millions of years. And this is multiplied all over the world. So the the number one thing, if you like, that is driving animal declines, but including insect declines, is the loss of their habitat. They're they're very flexible. In many cases, insects are very flexible, very adaptable, but they can't exist outside of their habitat.
1: Okay, one. So So the habitat is one. one. Yep. Number
0: one. The second one, of course, is the massive, wide-scale, global use of pesticides. These are potent chemicals. And we began using these really on, on a large scale after the Second World War. Uh, the chemical industry started developing uh, some pretty potent pesticides. So you'll have heard of, I mean, for example, you'll have heard of Agent Orange. Famous, yes. uh, it's a defoliant that was used as a, basically as a weapon of war by the Americans in the Vietnam War. But Agent Orange is in fact a, a uh, what would you call it, a herbicide. It's designed to kill plants. And obviously, it had all kinds of other toxic consequences. But we're using pesticides. And, and to define a pesticide, that can be either aimed directly at insects, it can be, or it can be aimed, uh, for example, like a herbicide or a fungicide at, others, at other parts of the natural system. But we're using it really on a, on a fairly indiscriminate level. Now, worldwide, it's reckoned about 3 million tonnes of pesticides are sprayed onto the land all around the world. And of course, much of the residues of these pesticides end up getting washed into the waterways where they continue to wreak havoc. So we're basically, I suppose, the best way I can describe it is we're engaged in chemical warfare against nature because these pesticides are incredibly potent. They're really effective and they're used with remarkably little care. Let me give you an an example. You or I, could go up to Woody's or any of these uh, DIY stores this afternoon, and you could pick up a can of Roundup, which is a a chemical called glyphosate, and you can bring it home and spray it wherever you like, willy-nilly. That is a potent, powerful herbicide that will be sold to you without any regulation of how you use it. You may not have a clue. When you're finished with it, some people will take the lid off it and pour it down the drain. These are deadly poisons, and they're sold like that. They're sold with the same lack of supervision, they're sold into, into agriculture and obviously the main use in Ireland, number one is in agriculture, number two local authorities and number three ordinary people, regular folks using them as in their gardens and so on and of course they're incredibly effective because they do what they say on the tin, they kill everything, but this, so that's probably the, the thing that we're doing and, and this isn't new by the way, there was a famous book published in 1962 uh, called Silent Spring, it was written by a a biologist called Rachel Carson. I have it. I have it. I've read it. Mm. Fantastic book. So we're on the same page uh, here. Basically, what she did was she raised the alarm 60 years ago and she said that we have gone to war with nature. And she said, this is a war we cannot afford to win. And here we are 60 years later. Overall, the the tonnage of pesticides that we use globally are lower than they were in the 60s, but the, the toxicity of the pesticides that we use is higher. So the overall effect essentially is that we're dousing nature. And I mean, to give you an example of this, uh, like there are so many examples of this. And of course, many people will say, "Well, we have to use them; it's essential, right?" And in a way, many people are now stuck in a in a bind where, because in nature, in the normal run of events, uh, let's say you've got a, a pest that you know eats your crops or whatever. Now, there's other insects that eat those pests, right? So in a in a healthy system, in a healthy system, which of course can include farming you have a balance between your, your your pest insects and your predator insects. Now, the problem is pest insects breed more rapidly than predators. But when you spray a an insecticide, you kill all the insects, including yes. the ones who actually prey on them. Yes. Now, let's say you're trying to treat aphids, for example, but your spray also kills the the, 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 um, the ladybirds and so on that... that, that that yes, e-
1: everything is wiped out. John, you have covered off habitat destruction, pesticides, I know climate change, that's a huge one. I just don't want to get into that because time will beat us. I want to ask you about the fourth aspect of this disappearance, light pollution. What do you mean by that?
0: Yeah, I suppose up until the modern era, you had night time and you had daytime, mm. And insects evolved for example, to navigate at night by using uh, moonlight when it was available and starlight, believe it or not. Now, they're highly evolved over millions of years for this. Then, and, and of course, other animals as well, but specifically insects. Then, in more recent times, of course, humans have come along and we put lighting absolutely everywhere. We have street lights, we've got motorway lights, we have lights in our back gardens, we have lights in our windows. And essentially, these basically are things that are not in the evolutionary experience of the animals who now have to deal with them so they don't know what that light is so you get for example i mean you, you know the old the, the old saying the moths to the flame mm. this idea that if you leave a bright light out that the moths and other insects will simply bang against it until they die because it's not supposed to be there it's, it's not something that's in there that's in their if you like genetic experience So. This is something that has emerged as a major threat uh, is light pollution right across Europe and, and, and other areas, but America as well. And again, we talked at the start of the segment about the, 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 the bug scrape on the cars. Now, another one that springs to my mind is on a summer's evening, if you left your window open when I was a kid or even a young person uh, and, and you left a light on in your room, oh my God, you'd come back and the room would be black yes. with insects. Why? Because they're attracted to the light, right? Yeah. Because... Their 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 guidance system is thrown by artificial light. Now, um obviously we knew about that because of it, and that's another thing, Jerry. You can leave your light on and your window open on these balmy nights and there's almost a few flies maybe, but almost nothing coming in. That is, is again true. part of it. Can I say by the way, Jerry, it's important as well, I think, to focus on on, you know. Positive, a little bit here. Yeah, and that's Um, what
1: that's what I want to get onto because this nature restoration law is being discussed in the European Parliament at the moment. Now, it's stopping and starting. I'm familiar with it uh, through Boardwatch Ireland. I'm a member of, and I I I see what's happening there. But there's a big push, especially against the area of pesticides in the context of this bill, uh, by vested interests. So. How can we be positive given all you've said and the, uh, the watering down of that nature restoration law by the looks of things?
0: Well, we have to be, Jerry. And let me put it this way. We're, 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 we're having a conversation today and there's, there's many people uh, listening to us, right? And they're probably, some of them are sitting at home saying, well, what can I do? I'll tell you what you can do with respect. Contact your local MEP, Look them up if you don't know who it is. Contact them. And especially if they're a Fine Gael MEP, Fine Gael has voted 100% against nature restoration. Get onto your Fine Gael MEP. Let them know that you're not happy that, that they are using your vote to vote against nature restoration. I'm sorry to single out Fine Gael. There is a problem with Sinn Féin as well, but it's not as bad. There's also a problem with some Fianna Fáil MEPs like Billy Kelleher, who are dead against this. But but the party, I'm afraid to say, at European level, which is part of the EPP, the European People's Party, is our own Fine Gael. And it gives me no pleasure to say this. I have many relatives in Fine Gael. In fact, I I came from what was traditionally called a Fine Gael family. Yet that party, for some reason, has taken an anti-nature stance from top to bottom. And I think it's tragic, uh, particularly in, in in the teeth of a climate and biodiversity emergency. So if you... As somebody listening to us this afternoon are feeling anxious about the conversation we're having today and you want to do something about it, please, I urge you, phone, email or otherwise contact your MEP or your local TD and say to them, I demand, I don't just support, I demand nature restoration and and you representing me, if you vote against that, that's the last vote you're going to get out of this house. Now, politicians are human beings. They listen to that. And unfortunately, Jerry, the people who have the ear of our politicians mostly are lobbyists and vested interests. They're the people who stand outside the, the Parliament House in Brussels having their pictures taken with our MEPs. You and I don't get to do that. We don't get to schmoozle them and to wine them and dine them and, and, and twist their arms and all the rest and lean on them. So we, the ordinary public, we there's more of us, but we don't get listened to. So we need to tell our politicians, because we have a vote, that we demand that they support strong nature protection laws. And that just because uh, a multinational uh, chemical company wants to make uh, billions more, more euros next year, I don't think that's a good enough reason to burn down nature in Europe. And the thing about nature is we kind of need it. And um, Again, to bring this back to brass tax here locally, across Europe, The type of agricultural systems that are most nature-friendly, Jerry, are of course organic agriculture. This is where you don't use um, chemical fertilizers, you don't use pesticides, you don't use herbicides. Now across Europe, about 9%, so roughly one-tenth of the farmland of Europe is farmed organically. That makes it a haven for biodiversity. I'm sorry to say that in Ireland, the equivalent number is below 2%. Now, we need to make space for nature. We have to restore. We've got to get space back to nature. We have to support re-wetting. And of course, we have to compensate and make sure that farmers, if they lose out, are fully compensated. But this isn't an us and them situation. We're all in this together. If nature dies, we die. If the insect kingdom collapses, it, ta- it is taking humans with it. So we have to get out of our trenches. We've got to stop saying it's the environmentalists against the farmers or it's the townies against the country people. We're all in this together. And if if I had only one takeaway from this conversation today Jerry, it is to please with people, to look at the science, listen to the science and act like your children's lives depend on it because I assure you they do.
1: John, it's been a pleasure talking to you today and I'm hooked on what you're saying and listening to you intensely. I'm sure my listeners are too. I'm all for organic and actually we have a young couple joining us, I think it's tomorrow the day after on the show, who have uh, transformed their farm into a totally organic enterprise and I'm looking forward to talking to them too. Uh, And there is some positive signs on the horizon. Fascinating stuff. John, keep doing what you're doing. Great talking to you. Thank you very
0: much, Cherry. All the
1: best. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's environmental journalist there, John Gibbons. it's a wake-up call. It's another wake-up call for us. And when you think about it, it's us as humans in recent years have are behind this catastrophe that's pending. And it is pending. You can dress it up any way you want and run away from it and think about money to be made from this, that and the other. But for our children and grandchildren future generations, they'll damn us forever if we don't do something about this and do it soon. It really is as stark as that. It really is, folks. It is. Thanks, John. Really enjoyed listening to you this afternoon. If, if you and if Finnegale want to come back or politicians or anybody, they're quite welcome to do so here. The man spoke there in factual manner. He didn't say anything wrong and he comes from the party background himself. He made that absolutely clear. Late Launch LMFM Radio 086 658 is the WhatsApp or text number if you want to get in touch with the show. Louise, you know where I was Saturday night. I've got to mention it. i just got to mention this because it's, a, it's, it's a, a joyous memory. I was at Jules Holland.
4: Oh yes, the cancelled one.
1: Uh, yeah, the one. It was cancelled with mm. COVID. When you think of what, all the water that's gone under the bridge. Anyway, he was in the three arena. Me, said Miriam, went, "What an evening, all oh, Louise." I just adored the man. Yeah, he's he great. was sensational. What a show! Sold out of house, uh, completely sold out. It wasn't a seat in the house to be got. People just went mad for him. And when Ruby Turner came on, all oh, Louise. Powerful voice. what a woman, what a woman. Unbelievable. But it was a great concert, I just want to mention it, and it was worth the wait. We had to wait a while to see him, but great to see Jules in great form in Dublin on Saturday. Back in a moment. And I want to just tee something up for you. Have you a child in your life that, you know, with the summer holidays pending, wants to earn a few bob for themselves. You remember Bob a job with the Scouts and Things like that And I remember when I was a kid I used to grow lettuce and things in the garden And sell them I cut lawns And a bit of an old push lawn more at the time Anyway We're starting a new series called Kids in Biz So if you have children Who are Have an idea Or are doing something for the summer holidays To earn a few bob We want to hear from you And we're going to hear from the first of them Next on Late Lunch Kids in Biz, have you a young person? Now, we're talking probably under 16 who, you know, are doing something for the summer or set up something or earning a few bobs some way. We want to hear from you in late lunch. Let us know if you have a child or you know of a child who's doing that. That's 16 or under. Kids in Biz on late lunch. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And we start today with a young man called Connor Gibson and his dad, Michael, who's an entrepreneurial guy, as well, I have to say, is with us too. But let us start with the young businessman himself. Connor, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Tell me, what age are you? 13. And where do you go to school?
3: Uh, St. Paul's National School, Roto.
1: Good man yourself. And are you on the summer holidays yet, or are you still at school? Still at school. Oh, jeepers, Connor. Don't tell me you're still in there. When are you getting your holidays? Two weeks. Ah well, it's not too far away, is it? No, no. You're looking forward to it. Yeah. Do you love the summer holidays?
3: Yeah.
1: Are they too long, Connor? Some people are saying. Did you hear this last week? People are saying summer holidays were too long. Would you like if they were shorter?
3: Uh, depends.
1: <laughs> you don't want them too short either, do you? No. 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 Anyway. You're a, an entrepreneurial guy, I believe. You've set up a little business. What's the name of the business?
3: Uh, CG Detailing.
1: OK. And what do you do? Clean cars around retail. Good man yourself. Do you clean them outside and inside?
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: OK, so you wash cars and you do the valeting inside as well? Yeah. I take it you love cars. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's why you're in this business. What would your favourite car be? If it was to pin you down, if you had a favourite car, a make or a model, what do you love?
3: Probably in this one, GTR.
1: Oh my God, that's a smart machine, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
1: Is that your aim someday to have one of those? Yeah. Oh, good I'm man. The first they'll be made. What? What did you say? I'm not sure if they'll still be made Yeah but you'd still buy Pick up one Do you know what I mean You'd get a, a very good Second hand one I'm sure somewhere And that'd do you Absolutely fine You know they're on the market And you'll pay a few above Anyway you're going In the right direction With this business To earn the money So you wash And valet cars And um, how How is it When did this start When did you start doing this only about a week ago oh so you're 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 a fresher you're a fresher you're brand new into the into the business good on you and w- what did you do to let people know that you're in business what have you done have you flyers have you handouts what have you done flyers good man yourself and have you been out and about putting them in letter boxes yeah so, I know, I'm looking at your flyer he, here, CG Valetin, Car Washing and Interior valeting. A Washing and Wax is a tenner, A Mini valley is €20, euro, and uh, you have your contact number on it. Have you got a response to the flyers? Yeah, I have. Oh, good man yourself. So you have work lined up? Yeah. Great stuff. Okay. And you feel now this is what you want to be at, this is what you want to do when you get the holidays in two weeks over the summer, is it? Yeah. Good chap yourself. Let's bring your dad into the conversation, Michael. Afternoon. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. You're the lemonade man, the lemonade van man.
5: Yeah, the lemonade cart man.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell, remind us about that. What did you do that for? I spoke to you a few years back about it.
5: You did. It's all about positive mental health, Jerry. Yeah. The community of people that um, you can dip in and dip out and get your daily dose of positivity.
1: Hmm. Very good, very good. Tell me about this young fellow yours. Is his head screwed on all right? He came up with this. He's been on about this, has he, for a little while to get something going?
5: Yeah, he's been at me a while, but he's uh, he's like a dog with a bone at our corner. Once he gets an idea in his head, you, you better follow through with him or else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, he got the flyers done Got them out and about And he has business He has orders People want him to wash their cars Do a bit of valeting for them So it's starting to take legs
5: It is He's He he got the flyers printed off He printed them off himself at home Ran around the estate Put them in letterboxes um, And then I, fu- I suppose the phone started to ring But like <laughs> he's already thinking ahead He ha- he's, he's looking for what software He's going to use to be able to let people Book online so he doesn't have
1: to talk to them so he's, he's a way ahead already, thinking about the next phase of business. Light years ahead, light years ahead. Fantastic. And, you know, his love of cars, I know this, he has a love of cars. And there you are, he's very specific about the car, car he loved too. That helps when you're going into this type of area. So, Connor, I want to come back to you for a moment. Connor. I take it, you go to the person to wash the car on their premises or do they bring it to you, Connor? Bring it to me. Oh, they bring it to you. OK, so you're set up at home and all to do the washing and the valeting? Yeah. Good on you. So people and, and and they're going to take it to you. So, uh, Michael, back to you. How, how does that fit with the set up at home?
5: Um, well, it's, it's I suppose for, for at the start, it's probably for him to get, you know, because he's only 13, it's, uh, I just want to keep an eye on him and make sure everything is OK. But yes. You'll be able to do them from the house. Yeah. And uh, I suppose as he gets more used to it, he can then decide to if he wants to call up to a house, but we're keeping him in the yes in the village of Reto so
1: where he knows
5: where, where he is. Of
1: course. That, so. Of course. And he's yeah. only thirteen, we have to say as well. He he's a yeah. he, he's a young guy, so he is and, yeah. and starting yeah. out. Um So Connor, do you think you'll be able to handle all the business you're gonna get on your own or will you need help? I
3: uh I might need help.
1: Right. And have you anyone in mind if you take on your first employee? Uh Callum. Oh Callum, who's Callum?
3: He's uh, a second name
1: now. Yeah, but uh, is he a good, fr- a good friend of yours, is he? Yeah. Does he go to the same school? Do you live in the same area? Uh,
3: no, we don't go to the same school.
1: He goes to Ralph Began. Oh, I see. So you're in different schools, but you're good friends and you trust this fella and he'll do a good job if you take him on. Yeah. Ah, that's very important to have that trust and you apply this business has grown, Michael. On the air as we're speaking, there's a website being set up. There's employees being engaged. This is unbelievable. Oh,
5: yeah. the, domain. the domain is registered. It's all ready to go. <laughs> Better
1: you're fantastic guys you really are but you know uh, michael what we're we're doing here he he's the first example of this for us you know there are young boys and girls like your, like connor uh, you know who for the, the weeks and that ahead you know a few bob comes in handy michael doesn't it
5: i think so and i think it's great for them like it, it keeps it keeps kids outside and not on inside on the xbox so um Anything that keeps people out in the fresh air, and it's just worth saying that Callum, he's actually he plays on the GAA team. So Connor plays for for total GAA what? under thirteens, mm. Ireland and football. So that's where his that's where his employees are going to come from. Not <laughs>
1: then. <it. laughs> Connor. I think your dad is inferring there that you like the Xbox. Do you?
3: No. And gone on it for
1: a while. All right. And this is because she does business in the air. There's things to be done. You've got to get set up. You've got to get people uh, in as customers, etc. But, uh, you know, the job you're going to do, can you guarantee a shining car, a sparkling interior, Connor? Yeah. Guaranteed. There you are if you engage this young man to look after your car. CG Valeting, it's known as. Connor, do you want to throw out your number there, please? Let me find it now. <laughs> <laughs> I I have it here. Are you O eight five two six seven nine one double eight? Is that you? Yeah. So that's this young man's number. O eight five two six seven nine one double eight. He's in the Ratho area and he'd love to wash your car and he's gonna be thoroughly busy over the summer with business. You're great. I wish you well with it, Connor. Uh, it's really, really good. Michael, thanks so much for uh, coming on with himself to tell us this wee story. Super. Thanks. Thank you both. Good luck to you with the business. Thanks a million. Thanks, boys. There you are. There's uh, the first little kids in biz feature we have on Late Lunch. Have you a boy or a girl, you know, 16 or under, who are doing something over the coming months or have set up something themselves and want to chat about it to myself here on Late Lunch? Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. 086 1800 658. Send me a message now by WhatsApp or text. Time for a song. Dua Leaper, No better woman. She started singing when she was in nappies. <laughs> Louise, wasn't John Gibbon so interesting about the insect life? He was. Oh my! Yeah, like, really I'm actually scared
4: after listening to him. What? You know, you would be very anxious.
1: Mm, but there's no, there's no two ways about it. It's 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 mighty serious, and the implications for the long-term future are huge. On a lighter note, our good friend Eddie Joyce, my good friend Eddie Joyce, was <laughs> on to say, "I wish the fruit flies would <laughs> disappear from me kitchen." Says Eddie. Eddie, you just eat it or else compost it, put one them, or the other. Put them in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, to keep it a little bit longer. There you are, Eddie. Plenty of suggestions there. And uh, Liam Brady. You know Liam Brady, yes. the famous Irish soccer player? Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. He retires from RTE as a pundit tonight. He does. He goes and...
4: Uh, I loved all those, the, the three of them when they were together.
1: Myself, Dunphy... Yeah. Oh my God, there were some battles there. All right, I think <laughs> I think Liam has just there's a, there's actually a sea change, and Jeff Stelling is leaving Sky. Martin Tyler, the commentator, there's a lot of age people going at this stage. But I'd say I think Liam was just lost for words uh, after the match on Friday night mm. when Ireland just were simply deplorable in Greece. Deplorable. That's all I can say. They were. You wouldn't
4: uh, rate them at all, Jerry. No.
1: But well, look, it, they've been together in a camp for 10 days, 10 days, I think, in Turkey and before that in the UK and absolutely meant nothing. They were just simply shocking and nothing could excuse it. You know, Stephen came on and said at the end of the day, they didn't seem to have... A proper system to tackle the Greeks, to be honest with you. Midfield was terrible. The performance was shocking. We're playing Gibraltar tonight. It's the rock we could perish on. (laughs) Boom, boom. Gibraltar, it's the rock we could perish on. Look, if Ireland don't beat Gibraltar tonight, they should beat them handsomely. Anything other than an Irish handsome win is of no use. And Stephen's a great guy and he did fantastic with Dundalk. But I'm just afraid to say at this stage, four wins from 23 games... Nah, nah. He he won't be there after this campaign. I, I can't see him um, being in the job. Is
4: there anybody you'd like to see replace him? Is there anybody out I, there I, that I, might? I'm going to I'm
1: going to say this today. I'm a League of Ireland fan and I love the League of Ireland. But I have to say this: the step up from League of Ireland management soccer to international level is vast. Mm. It is vast. It's impossible to bridge. And at international level, you need a man with experience who's managed at a club. At the highest level in England, in the Premier League, that type of level of man, that's the type, that's where uh, an international team manager needs to come from. Now, Michael O'Neill in Northern Ireland was the exception. But Michael O'Neill had the players, he played a defensive system and played it very well and he had the players to play it. We don't, you know, in a way at the minute. we Our, our group of players are not as strong as it could be or might be in the future. I think Stephens level, under-21 Irish team level, fantastic wonderful developing young players bringing them in for the senior team but i have to say we got to go for the likes chris Houghton, you know as an irish manager he's now he's a job in africa managing one of the african teams i don't know whether you'd get him lee carsley former irish international highly regarded by the english fa in the english setup mm-hmm. with Garrett southgate there's a the fella we got to play it at the highest level you know what i mean in a high level and in international management there's going to be a change. The FAI are going to make a change. If we lose to Gibraltar tonight, I think there'll be an, an immediate change. But even no matter what happens to Gibraltar, at, at the end of this campaign, there will be change. And there has to be change. It's as simple as that. That's the way the world of football works. Um, what else was I to say? What about like, the word "malfangled" be Kerry yesterday. Do you like that word? Mal- yes, I do. Malfangled. Isn't it a great word? I've, we've used What's it mean? A, Just absolutely trounced Minced Right Minced <laughs> Made mince meat of. Malfangled Yesterday
4: It was their worst loss Oh massive, it, ever?
1: massive 28 points or something mm-hmm. Night and day The gap between them Is unbelievable Good season for Loud Made the Leinster final Malfangled in the Leinster final By Dublin as well
4: And What? Well, yesterday Mead won Meath, yes, come on. Wexford were malfangled by Meath.
1: Yes, they were. Meath are in the semi-final of the Talton Cup. They play Antrim now, managed by Mr McEntee, the former manager. Isn't it amazing (laughs) the way things, what goes round comes round. Yeah, but Meath in the semi-final, I think they'll win the Talton Cup, Meath. I think they're good enough. They should win the Talton Cup. Do you think so? Ah, yeah, and then they'll be in the All-Ireland next year. But back to loud, look... Finished high up in division two, did very well in the league, got to a Leinster final. Those are the positives. It was a tough, tough ask for them with Oh
4: against Kerry. Oh yeah, it's a know.
1: huge, a huge, huge step up. And on the golf front, we gotta mention Leona Maguire. Oh yes. She won big in the States yesterday evening. She won a major women's event over there. She's fantastic. Good job, one Irish person can win because that fella McElroy I don't know what to make of him. He was second again, Marori in what a major. Happened to him? He just didn't. The old putter is cold. He just didn't put good enough to win uh, the uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, Open. What did you
4: say? The old putter is cold.
1: Cold, yeah. Uh huh. When the putts don't drop. Right. Okay. The, you know when the putts don't go in. They say Getting the used putter to all is these cold. Golf
4: oh, listen, listen,
1: I learn you speak. I learn you, as my mother used to say. I learn you. I <laughs> learn you. No, mammy, you'll teach me. And hopefully I'll learn I used to say You know We used to have great fun With that But uh, yeah Rory fell short Yet again And in the Wednesday club Our Declan Declan Kehan He's picked Rory McElroy For the last 10 years To win Declan, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And don't mention the fellas. I pick Oh, stuff. Listen, don't even go there. Also, Rans. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm picking in the golf stakes these days. Yes. So, um, big weekend of sport passes and a big night tonight for Ireland against Gibraltar. And let's hope they win. No matter what we think about managers or teams, or anything. We always want the Irish side to win. Five, four, three, two. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear and today it's this very week in 1994 and the song at number five in the charts was recorded originally by Tina Turner yes Tina who passed away recently huge loss it was the B-side of her typical male single in 1986. So she went with it first. The song was co-written by the wonderful Albert Hammond. Aswad recorded it in 1988, as did Bonnie Tyler. Two different styles altogether, uh, putting their imprint on this song. And then in 1991, Neil Diamond had a stab at it as well. But today, the group who had the number five hit in the UK, and this was the highest it reached in the UK charts, went one higher in the USA to number four. A Scandinavian, they're called Ace of Base, and the number five in my top five countdown. on this Monday afternoon is "Don't Turn Around." Don't Ace of Base, the number five in my top five countdown from this very week in 1994. And that was the culmination of a very good run for the Scandinavian outfit because they had a massive number one, All That She Wants. Remember that one, 1992, followed by The Sign in 93, which reached number two in the UK charts. And then that one there, number five in 94. And I will bring you number four tomorrow, Tuesday, three, two and one, up until Friday from this very week in 1994 round about this time on your late lunch each afternoon now we're almost there yes the irish legends golf tournament is coming to seapoint golf club in county loud huge build-up going on down there this week because it all begins on thursday and runs until next sunday some fantastic names from yesteryear taking part and we have a legend of our own plane yes Brendan Lawler will be there too. He's with us next. It all begins this Thursday, and late lunch is coming live from Seapoint Golf Club this Thursday afternoon as the Irish Legends weekend gets underway, 22nd to the 25th. Tickets available from tickets.legendstour.com. And there's been a lot of tickets sold so far, and more between now and then, I'm sure, and into the weekend. Well, we have a legend of our own on the line, Brendan Lawler. Good afternoon. Gary, how's things? How are you? Really, really good. Well, you're bringing it all back home this week, young fella.
3: Yeah, I was delighted to get the invite. Um, I honestly thought I was only playing in the Pro-Am on the Wednesday. And then I got word that I was playing in the, in the full Celebrity Pro-Am for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's going to be special.
1: Oh, real special indeed. I, I take it, you, have you played Seabind in the past, Brendan?
3: Yeah, i played it quite a few times. And um, it's one of the nicer courses around Lourdes, and. I've heard it grew up the rough as well, so it's gonna be a good challenge.
1: Oh, the rough, Brendan, I played nine there, was it the weekend before last? The rough is sensational at the minute. Keep her on the short stuff, young flood, that's the message. Uh, this uh, coming weekend for sure. It's great you're part of the whole thing from Thursday to Sunday, Brendan.
3: Yeah, I'm delighted. Honestly, um years ago you'd never consider yourself like I was I would have been buying a ticket myself just to go and watch the legends are playing and some of the celebrities that are going and there to be a part of the event and to be in the action and have a chance to
1: win and raise money for charities, it's uh, it's gonna be special. Have you have you adopted a charity yourself?
3: There's a few close to me, um there's a Friends of Leon Foundation in Loud. There's one there that, that I was looking at and then the organization that we play golf with, the European Disabled Golf Association, it's also a charity. So Good man There's a few charities floating about that Hopefully we can we can help a few of them.
1: Ah, good on you. Good on you, Brendan. Uh, are you number one or two in the world at the minute?
3: I'm number two in the world at the minute. Um, I had a nice win in Melbourne a few weeks ago. And um, I had a bad week in Sweden then last week. So it swings and roundabouts. Uh, I was delighted to get the win. It's been a while since I've been in the winner's circle. And I'm just going to keep pushing forward. I have the Belfry on Monday and Tuesday next week as well. So... Yeah, leave sea points and go straight to the Belfry in London or in Birmingham. So good. It's still going to be a busy few
1: weeks. Well, listen, that is golf, and we see it sure, <laughs> in the major, which just finished in the early hours of this morning. Swing, swings and roundabouts. But you've finished, you know, in the top five and four events this year. That is very consistent form, and that big win to cap it off as well. You're playing well.
3: Yeah, my game's been trending. Then I got a nice start in Japan early, early in the year. And um, a few weeks previous, I, ha- I wasn't playing well. My putting was a wee bit dodgy, and I put a lot of work in. And the week in over, and everything just clicked. And last week was probably, I probably partyed a wee bit too hard after the win, and was a little bit had a few withdrawals. But um, so we're back to work now, and um, you need to celebrate these things, but we're back to serious now, and hopefully. I'll go out and enjoy my week in Seapoint because it's going to be really fun, and then back to business on Monday and Tuesday in the G40 event.
1: Good stuff, you're entitled to party, Brendan, when you win for sure. But look, that thing about putting you mentioned there, look, you you, you keep your finger on the pulse. Yesterday, from an Irish perspective, first off, we got to mention Leona Maguire. What a win, Brendan.
3: Incredible, yeah. She's a part of the Modest Stable, and um, there's no harder working person I know than Leona. She's Fully dedicated to the game, fully dedicated to golf, and she deserves to reap the rewards. And that'll really push her. That'll push her nearly to one of the best lady females in the world. It's mm. fantastic.
1: Mm. It is fantastic. And she has the majors coming up, of course, as well. Hopefully, that leaves her in good fettle going into those. Rory, oh my God, Brendan, you talk about the putter. You know. He just, just fell short again. Wyndham Clark winning the US Open, if you haven't heard, folks, in the early hours of this morning. But Rory McElroy will kick himself, won't he? he, he it was there for him.
3: Yeah, this was his opportunity to, to break the back of not winning the major in so long. And it was, it was hard to watch. You could see he was flawless from tee to green. He hit a lot of greens and hit a lot of great shots. But he was just, you could see the jitters and the nerves when he was over putts. And it affected Moebas and, Fair play to Wyndham Clark. He didn't fold. He um he kept his foot down. And when you have Rory McIlroy chasing you, I'm sure that's not an easy thing to do. So mm. hats off to him. He done a really really good job.
1: It is the putter at the end of the day. If you get the putter flowing, I know you have to do all the rest, but the putter is really the one that that earns the dough at the end of the day. So, folks, our own Brendan Lawler is coming to Seapoint for the four days this weekend. A celebrity in his own right, number two in the uh, world. He'll be there, too, taking part in uh, each day's competition. Brendan, you're great. We wish you well, and I hope you have a wonderful time at Seapoint, and then on to the UK next week.
3: Thanks so much Jerry hope to see everyone there and it's it's 100% going to be a great week
1: It certainly is Thank you Brendan Take care of yourself That's our own Brendan Lawler there Tickets.legendstour.com For your tickets to Seapoint From the 22nd That's Thursday Until the 25th And some of the biggest stars In the world Of yesteryear Playing there And they still have That competitive edge Not to be missed And the weather's Looking quite good as well And we will be there As I mentioned Late lunch live From Seapoint Golf Club This Thursday This coming Thursday afternoon That's it on Late Lunch For Monday Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM radio, and we are leaving you in the company of Calvin Harris and Company and Miracle. See you tomorrow, one thirty.
2: When you hold me,
1: there's a place I go. It's a different high. Oh no. When you touch me,
4: I get vulnerable. In a different.